Hey, welcome to Church Project. If, if you do not have a Bible, there's one under a chair uh, near you. There's some on a lamp up here behind you. There's, there's one back there. We here are uh, very simple. If you walked in and saw the sign on the wall, then we are biblical. Hopefully everything that we do is biblical. If not, I pray that it burns down and shuts down. So ho- hopefully we maintain that. Be biblical in everything that we do. Simple. I mean, you're in a garage right now. If you're cold, just wait two minutes. It'll warm up. I mean, we just kind of just bring a jacket and a tank, to- a tank top, whatever. I mean, what? come to church, right? Okay, so biblical, simple. Everything that we do, we want to be simple. From our buildings to our teachings to our events, everything, we want to be simple and relevant. We want this, the Bible, to jump off, the, off of the page and land in our hearts, something that we can all understand. And so if you have a Bible um, or if you don't have one, you can grab one of those. If, if you don't have $5 to invest in a Bible, then please take that with you. That's our, guess, our, our gift to you. We just really believe that this is where it's at. And we're going to keep going through the book of Luke. We've been in the book of Luke since January. We've made it all the way to Luke chapter 9, verse 37 is where we start today. And so here we go. We're just going right on through Luke. Luke, if you, if you uh, know anything about the Bible, Luke was written by? Luke. That's a good one. I got that one right on my test. I'm like, okay, Luke, got it. Luke, it was written by Luke, a physician. I mean, he, he crossed every T, dotted every I. And as we started Church Project, what a better book to study than a man who is teaching us about Jesus. And so as a church, if we're learning about Jesus and who he is from the beginning, we've started on the right foot. We're glad you're here today. I'm going to read through these verses, and then we'll go through and and kind of pick them apart. Luke chapter 9, verse 37 is where we're starting. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and, I'm sorry, scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. Verse 40, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Verse 42, even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground into a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. As we kind of just land in, in this passage, it's unfair if, if, you ha- if you don't know the story before and you just kind of land into this story. Let me tell you what happened last week. And feel free uh, with your, your version app or your Bible, just kind of flip back and look at it. Uh, I believe that the scripture will speak to all of us today. But the story before was Jesus. He went up, and this is called the Mount Transfiguration. Went up with a couple of his disciples, and God, his Father, came down and appeared to Jesus. Jesus' face was, was radiating because he had spent time with God. His disciples were there. Moses and Elijah shows up. This is way up on the mountain, and this is a mountaintop experience. So when Jesus comes down off the mountain with his disciples, he's coming down into the valley. 
Any of you ever had a mountaintop experience with God? Any of you ever spent time where it was like just wonderful? It was just perfect. They came down off the mountain. The, the real world doesn't happen on top of the mountain. The real world happens in the valley of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. The valleys is where the real world happens. I, I, I've known people, and there's different sects of religions who say, okay, we're going to isolate ourselves, and we're going to spend our entire life on the mountain with Jesus, and we're going to just make it so no one can come around us, and we're going to protect us completely, and we're all about us. But I look at the Bible and the teaching of Jesus, and nowhere does Jesus say, hey, I made a mountain for you. Go hang out on it for the rest of your life. Because there's people in the valley, there's people everywhere around us that need the love of Jesus Christ. The real world is happening in the valley. Life happens in the valley. I was a youth pastor for a lot of years of just big, big churches. And we would take hundreds of students to camp. And I loved camp because that meant I got out of the office and I get to eat junk food. And it was a, it was a, lot of, it was a fun trip. But as camps went on, and I'd been to probably 400 in my life, not many, but... Okay, not that many. I exaggerated a little bit. Right? I've been to a lot of camps in my life. I began to see a pattern, and the pattern was this, if you've ever been there. Church camp. Woohoo! Like, you're on the mountain. It's awesome. And then you take those kids home. The very next day after they're just peeking, man, everything's good. And it just drops out. The bottom just drops out. What about us and our lives? What are these mountaintop experiences? Some of us, honestly, I can say this about our Sunday morning gathering. Now, we're, we're a little different than a lot of churches, but we're very similar to a lot of churches as well. Like I'm speaking, and I would like it if you guys would speak back at me or throw things at me, but some of us, we, we get together, and this is our mountaintop. Like we come on Sunday mornings, and we see great people, and yes, that's important. It's important to lock eyes with each other and to encourage each other. Chad, he's getting his card ready. He's about to throw it at me, okay? You can throw it. That's fine. We come together and we lock eyes, and this is wonderful. This is what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to laugh. We're supposed to have fun and encourage each other and look at the, the Scripture. But some of us, honestly, we leave here, and we will not pick up our Bible until we come back again next, next Sunday. We live like Sunday is where we're going to get our life. If you're living like Sunday is where you're going to get your life, it's going to be this in your life. It's going to be up, and it's going to be down because you're not spending time with Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We go from mountaintop to mountaintop often in our lives. And even, even when it comes to parenting, I love I love our building here because you always hear kids crying and all that stuff and stomping. And I mean, that, that's great. It reminds us that there's a generation coming up behind us. And it's so, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool to see the life that's coming up behind us. But some of us as parents, we feel like our job is to take our kids and shelter them so much and keep them from the real world. And then when they graduate, those would be the kids that we would graduate from our student ministry that they would just go crazy because they were so surrounded by only godly Christian things all the time. Am I saying go buy drugs for your kids? No, I'm not saying that, okay? <laughs> but we get it. Maybe we know people who all they do is they shelter their kids from real life. I think we do a great injustice to our kids. 
I think we do a great injustice to all of us, our brothers and sisters and our friends, if we can't be real in front of them. How many people come in and put up a front? Even this morning, how many of you came in, put a breathman in, put on your smile, and walked in and said, everything's all right? In reality, it's not so all right. Can we be real in front of each other? This is where real life happens. When we're honest, when we're vulnerable, that's one of the things I love most about our house churches. If you missed our house church last week, then, well, good, because we didn't have one. But if you missed it two weeks ago, then you really missed a good thing over at Jared's house. The group that we had go there at Jared and Shannon's was incredible. I mean, people being honest and praying together, and it, it went way too long, and I loved it. And we had good food, and we were honest, and we were vulnerable. If you're not involved in a house church, please get involved into a house church. Because when stuff happens in your life that's too hard, guess what? You have others there walking with you. And also, you know what's cool? When something happens in your life that's exciting and you want to celebrate, you have someone there that, that you can celebrate with as well. Get involved in a house church. Life is not meant to be all by yourself, alone on the mountain with God. Life is meant to be lived down in the valleys where everyone else is at, where we can encourage each other and walk with each other. Church, I'm having fun. Are you? I think God is building something here that is really special. I think especially in the last month or so, God has been waking our hearts to something that is going to be phenomenal as we look ahead. Church, I'm excited where we're going. So let's look at verse 37. The next day, they came down from the mountain. A large crowd met with him. Of course, this is Jesus. Like, he's, he's the man. He's healing everyone. Like, this is the man. You want to be around Jesus. So they're waiting for him to come down the mountain in verse 38. Jesus comes down, and a man in the crowd calls out. He goes, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him alone, and it's destroying him. So you want to know if you're demon-possessed? <laughs> You foam at the mouth, or you seized, you know what? I mean, you see that this, this dad is so concerned about his son, and rightfully so. I mean, look what's happening to him. You ever seen this with your kid? Sometimes when, we're, when our kids were young, when we go out to eat, I felt like they were demon-possessed. I'm like, oh, kid, come on, shh, you know? But no, I've never seen this. Have you ever seen this? Think of yourself, if, if you have kids, sons or daughters, and this was happening to your son or your daughter, what links would you go to to help this child? This father is going to so many great links. He's going after Jesus. He's begging Jesus, please help my son. In verse 40, he says, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. So I'm coming to you. God, I'm coming with, with all that I am. I've tried everything for my son. He's being seized up. He's foaming at the mouth. This is not normal. Please help my child. What I like about this is this father was going to be there with his son no matter what. It doesn't say how old he was. It doesn't say how old his son was. But we see here that this father is walking with his son no matter what. It's a beautiful picture when I look at this. I think, I think Luke, as he's writing this, I think God's Spirit just helped Luke write this because there's two stories that are going on right here, right? We see the story of this father willing to go through any length and every length and begging Jesus to heal his son. But we also have a story for us, a story about Jesus 
our Father who's running after us and willing to go to great lengths for us as we foam at the mouth, as we fumble, as we mess up, as we do bad things. Jesus never leaves our side. This father never left the side of his son. He's walking with him to the end and he's going through great lengths to have his son be healed. This whispers great things in our lives about who God is. Jesus will never leave us. You know that? Do you need to be reminded of that? What, what great, terrible things have, have you been involved in lately? What great, big, terrible things has happened in your life that you're ashamed of? What things are you trying to hide from us and from others and from Jesus? What things are you walking around and they feel like a thousand pound weight? You're carrying those things. Jeremy writes a song that I have to return to every week and it's that burden that you carry, it's never yours to hold. Give it to Jesus. Some of us, we feel like we have this huge weight and we're walking around and and Jesus can't love us because of this action or this action or this action or this thought. If you knew what I thought or what I did, then you wouldn't love me. And Jesus is saying this, I am with you to the end. He calls on our behalf. Here we see the father calling to Jesus on the behalf of his son, begging him to be healed. Jesus calls on our behalf to the father and says, please come heal my children. They're hurting. They're going through stuff that's just painful. When I think about that and I get that picture, it brings tears to my eyes. Some of us, we don't have quite a good picture of what an earthly father looks like. Some of us, we've been abandoned by our earthly fathers, abused by our earthly fathers. Like when we think of a father, we go, okay, I can't relate because my father was terrible to me, to my brothers and sisters, to our family. He left us, he abused us, he's not in the picture. And I'm sorry that you've had that experience with life. I'm sorry that that's you as, as you've grown up. I truly am. And I know that God has a plan for you. And as you sit here today, we can say with 100% certainty that Jesus will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never abuse you. He is the father that you never had. And as Christians, I'm so excited when I look about this and I think about this that Jesus will walk with me even if I'm foaming at the mouth. That's good news. You like this gospel? You like what this means? You like this truth? This is good news. I want to I go down to verse 41, but I need a drink of water first because we're about to light this place up. Is that okay? Sorry, Katie. Now you're cold. You were hot. Now you're cold, huh? Yeah. Let's go to verse 40 first, and then we'll kind of go into it. Verse 40, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Now we're going into two stories here, and I love these two stories. Here's the two stories, okay? In verse 41, we have Jesus, and and the meta-narrative, the big narrative right here is Jesus. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Who is he talking to? If you, if you look at this passage, you know who he's talking to? He's not talking to the dad. He's not talking to the son. He's talking to the disciples. 
He's talking to the disciples in this moment. He goes, here's the big picture. I was on the mountain. I came down. This dad's coming to me begging, and, and he came to you begging to heal and to, to, to deliver, and I've given you power to do that, but obviously you didn't believe in that power, and you're not able to do that, and so now the dad is coming to me, and I think this is what Jesus did right now. The dad came up. Please, Jesus, please heal my, my son, and he goes, wait a second. You wicked and perverse generation, you disciples, how long have we been walking this life together? What have you seen me do? How have I been teaching you? What have I imparted into you? I've imparted power into you. Do you know that? I, I was, as I was reading this and as I was studying this, in verse 41, the very first word is you. That's the meta-narrative about what's happening right now. That's the big story. I underlined you. Because if you think back, if you think back to, what was it, just a little bit ago, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000 people, remember this? Just flip back a little bit in the Bible. Jesus was feeding the 5,000 people, and his disciples came to him, and, he said, and they said, Jesus, all these people are hungry. What are you going to do about it? And he goes, you feed them. Remember that? He goes, you feed them. Of course I can feed them, but that's your job, disciples. You feed them. And then he did this incredible miracle. Well, now we fast forward a little bit, and we get right here. This man comes begging, and, and Jesus turns to them, and again, in the big picture of everything, he goes, you unbelieving and perverse, which perverse means different things. Here's what I think it means in, in this passage. It means contrary to what, um, what was expected or accepted, twisted. That's what it means. This is unacceptable is what Jesus is telling his disciples. This is unacceptable. You guys are wicked. You're unbelieving. You're perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long should I stay with you? And I love this part. Put up with you. How long should I stay here and put up with you? As he looks at his disciples, this entire passage about Jesus is preparing the disciples to leave the whole church in their hands. He's, they don't quite understand the power that Jesus has given them yet. They don't quite understand the story, the big picture of what Jesus is trying to say right here. They keep coming to him like he is the, the complete answer for everything that they have at that moment. And Jesus is saying, I'm already imparting my power into you because I'm about to leave, is what he tells them. I'm about to leave and it's going to be up to you, my disciples, right here. If you think into John 14, 12, Jesus says, these things you've seen me do, greater things you will do. Greater things that we will do. Church, we have the power of Jesus in us. Do you believe that? And I think specifically when it comes to this John verse, when he says greater things you're going to do than what I've done, I think what he's saying is not necessarily greater things is Ray going to do than what Jesus has done. I think what Jesus is saying is greater things you, the church, you, plural, the church will do than what Jesus has ever done. If you, can't, if, if you have a hard time believing that, can you believe this? My friends just put out from Life Church this week, just put out uh, the U version app. You raise your hand if you have that for your Bible, okay, for kids. They just put a version out app for kids, all interactive. It's free. It can go on any phone. And it already has, I don't know how many 
however many downloads in one week. It's already reaching the world. The Bible is in places that, it, who know, it's everywhere. It's free. It's accessible. Did Jesus have that power at that time? No, he didn't have the tools, the technology. He literally could not do that. He's omnipresent. I get that. We can talk theology after this if you want to. But Jesus did not have the YouVersion app, did he? The church at large is doing incredible things because the power of Jesus is in us right now. This is what Jesus is teaching his disciples right here. He says, you, come on, disciples, step your game up. Like, realize what I'm giving you. This is awesome. This is incredible stuff. Do you believe that God wants to use your life? Do you believe that God is directing your life? It's okay to shake, raise your hand, accept that, whatever. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Spirit is powerful? Do you believe that the church is the hope of the world? Do you believe that? We are powerful, and yet we don't charge. Why don't we charge? Jesus is saying, you guys got it. Disciples, you, you could have done this, but you're waiting for me. You could have done this. When are you going to get it? And he's saying to us today, church, when are we going to get it? Like, when are we going to charge? When are we going to go for this? Here's a couple verses if you're feeling weak right now and you don't know who you are in Christ, okay? Colossians 2.12. I am strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. According to the power of Jesus, I'm strengthened in his glorious might. Do you accept that? Do you believe that? Or Satan kicking your tail? Are you believing the reverse of that? Because that's a lie. Jesus is powerful. His Holy Spirit is powerful. And when we walk in that, we should charge after this world. There's people in this valley that are hurting. There's people in this valley that need healing. There's people in this valley of Greeley. There's people in the valley of this world that need the love of Jesus. But yet, Christians, sometimes we just step back and we forget to charge because we don't know who we are in Christ. Here's another verse for us. James 1, verse 22 and 25. I am a doer of the word and blessed in my actions. If we walk according to his word, we're a doer of his word. We're blessed in actions. We're in line with who God is. We don't have to shrink back. I came across a study. It was a Harvard study. They just put the results out uh, this week, and maybe you saw it as well. But it started in, in 19... 38, with 268 males, all going through Harvard at the time, very successful, very healthy. It started in 1938, and the study just concluded recently. And the study was basically what makes men happy. That, that was basically the study. And the study came down to this one answer, and I thought it was so, I thought it was so awesome. Some of them were alcoholic, some of them started really low and had no potential and exploded as they got into their 60s, and they were all over the place, a lot of people, but the general theme was this, the ones that ended up happy at the end of their life were the ones that could take love in. Let that sit on you for a second. This is not a Christian study. 268 Harvard graduates, the ones that have been studied from 1938, the ones that were successful were the ones that were willing to take love in and accept love. 
How many of us, when we hear beautiful words like, I am strengthened in God, the Spirit is in me, the Word is alive, it's active, how many of us go, that's awesome, but we don't take that in? Like We hear the Word, it sounds great, man, I wish I had that power, I wish I had that joy, I wish I had that peace, I wish I had whatever it may, it may be, but we just put up our wall and we don't take that love in, we don't own that thing. <laughs> Unless you love Life will flash you by in an instant. Unless we wake up in love, we're going to look back on the end of our life and it's going to be dry and it's going to be fast and we will have missed love and we will miss loving people. This Bible is full of words and God is saying, you, you disciples, you church, you have the power of Jesus living inside you. Do you accept that? Do you walk in that? Do you let that love come in? Okay, we need to move on here. <laughs> you, in verse 41, 40, 41, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? I thought that put up with you was incredible, by the way. I underlined put up with you. Like, I can see Jesus saying, oh, Dad, I'm going to heal your son, Okay. Don't you worry about that. But I'm going to come back to you in a second. Oh, disciples, whap, whap, whap. How long do I got to put up with you? Like, get it. Get a clue already. I underline get a clue. It, for, sorry, Lauren, I didn't get your permission on this one. Is it, is it okay? Can I use you as an illustration? My, I, I may not be here next week, but so I'm going I'm 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 to go for it right here. How long do I need to put up with you? Like, Lauren is brilliant, by the way. Like, literally, she's a nerd. She's just, she's just brilliant. She just, she just got her praxis test. That's a big old praxis test thing that you have to pass in order to be a teacher. Some of you, yeah, some of you already know about this, right? It's a big test. Like, if you don't pass, you don't teach. Pretty bottom line stuff. Well, Lauren, I've, I've been putting up with her for a while. Like, she comes home from her quizzes or her papers, or her praxis test, or whatever it may be. And, and this praxis test took three weeks to figure out the results, or maybe four, I don't know. And, and finally I got to the point where I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear that you think you failed. Because it's like every other quiz, and every other test, and every other, you come home and you're like, I failed. And you get your test back, and you're like 98%. <laughs> Woo! I'm like, I've been putting up with this for years. Like, stop. You're smart. You got it. You're capable. You're beautiful. That, I'm not in trouble, right? That's good. <laughs> I, I, I figured. The praxis test is the same thing. Like, she got in the top 15% for the nation. Like, I've been putting up with that for a while, and I think this is Jesus, the same thing. He's like, disciples, how long do I need to put up with you? You're smart. You're brilliant. You got the power. Come on. Like, let's, let's walk in this thing. I don't think it's a put down here. I think Jesus is kind of like with I am, I am with Lauren because he loves them so much. He's like, how long do I got to put up with this? Like, can you grasp that you're smart, that you're a nerd, that you have the power? I'm off Lauren now. Okay, I'm going on. I will get in trouble if I continue. Right? So I think his disciples are starting to realize right there even how much Jesus loves them. So even in his subtle rebuke and his subtle charge, the disciples are going, yeah, okay, thanks for that reminder. Thank you, Jesus. Run after what, what, you are, what you already are, church. You want me to say that again? 
Run after what you already are, church. We're children of God. That's beautiful. Will we make mistakes? Yes. I will do dumb things. I will lose confidence. Jesus will have to come up and go, Aaron, I am putting up with you again. I love you. Set me straight. Thank you, Jesus. Church, let's run after what we already are. Church project, let's run after what what God has already called us to. It's proven. We're here. We're staying. It's awesome. I love seeing what God's doing. I think he has greatness in store for us as his ecclesia, his body. Let's run after it. Like, let's chase it. Let's go for Greeley, Northern Colorado, whatever that means. Let's run after it. Let's have fun. And it starts by singing 80s music this Friday. So come. (laughs) Run after what you already are. Let's move on to verse 42. Jesus said, bring your son here. Verse 42. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him onto the ground, did the whole Foaming convulsion thing again. Jesus rebuked him. Evil spirit. The boy was healed. Then Jesus gave him back to his father. I like how when Jesus, after he turns from his disciples, he looks at this man, his immediate compassion on him. Sees that this is his only son. Probably respects him as a father. Saying, this, this father will go through anything for his son. And Jesus looks at him and says, bring him here. Do we, like this father, take our kids to Jesus? Some of us, this might hit a little hard. And I'm not going to apologize because maybe we need to be hit a little hard. I know because I have two girls, 14 and 12. And, and I'll do anything for those girls. I've seen a lot of parents willing to do anything for their kids, as in they do everything for their kids. I fall in and out of this as well because I want the most for, for Zoe and I want the most for Audra. So we get our kids in sports and clubs and counseling events and all these things, and those aren't bad. Those aren't bad things. We want the best for our kids. But the, pro, the, the, the question is this. Do we take our kids to Jesus just as aggressively as we take them to soccer practice? We're fine as fathers taking them out and throwing, or teaching our sons how to throw a perfect spiral. We're fine with that. We'll put the time in for that. But will we show our kids what it looks like as fathers to get on our knees and pray? Do we teach our kids how to pray the things of God? Do we teach our kids how to study the Bible? Do we sit down with them and go, listen, here's how we studied the Bible, and we start showing them the things in there, and we start building into their life there. This man took his son to Jesus. There was nowhere else to take his son. We have options in where we take our kids. We can take them to soccer and all these ballets and all these things, and these aren't bad. The bottom line question is, though, is our first and primary focus, taking our kids to Jesus, because that's where life is. Do we show them how to spend time with God? Do we pray with them? Do we study the Bible with them? Are we honest with them? Do we even show them kind of our faults as well? My parents weren't so good at that. Everything was always perfect. And I thought, life can't be that perfect, and it wasn't. And I had to figure out how to live with an imperfect life. 
We can teach our kids so much how to handle stress, how to finance, how to handle finances, how to, how to deal with bullies in school. Yes, how to kick a soccer ball, all these things. But our bottom line, driving force should be taking our kids to Jesus. In my life, I hope that Zoe and Audra hear me pray and see me pray, which they do. They hear me pray and they see me pray. I purposefully sometimes leave my Bible on the table so they can just see Dad's Bible on the table. They see me studying. They see me longing after God. Do your kids see you running after God with all your might? Parents, that's the best thing that we can do for our kids is to show them who the, the source of life is. If Audra is just a good ballet dancer, then I have failed her. And that's the bottom line. I look at this father taking his son to Jesus and I applaud him. Thank you, Father, for showing me what it looks like to stick by your son and daughters, no matter what, and to take them to Jesus, no matter what condition they're in. Demon-possessed, foaming at the mouth, down and out, and he still is by his side taking them to Jesus. Amen? That's good stuff. Verse 42. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him, convulsed, all that stuff. We already said that. Verse 43. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples. Okay, again, get our picture. Jesus just healed the son. The crowds are all right here. The disciples have already been addressed once, right? Like, you people, get it. Get a clue. Why do I got to put up with you? Then Jesus heals the son. Now all the crowds are marveled. They're like, whoa, did you see this? This guy, this guy, Jesus, cast out this demon, and they're marveled. They're like, wow. And Jesus, again, kind of puts pause on the story and turns over his disciples, and he says, he says this. They were all amazed at the greatness of God while everyone was marveling at Jesus and what he did. He said to his disciples, listen carefully, disciples. Listen carefully, church. Listen carefully, church project, ecclesia. Listen carefully. I'm going to die. That's not a bad thing. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about me dying, disciples, church. Don't get caught up and miss me. Because these people, don't miss me over there because I'm right here. Don't, don't miss me in the miracle that I just did in the crowd and all that exciting thing. Don't miss me in that because I'm not there. I am here. And I love you. They were excited because of the healing. And that's great and that's wonderful. But what did the healing, what did it represent? Something temporary that happened that day and soon was going to go away. Even at death. But it's temporary. They're focused on temporary things, and Jesus is saying, great, wonderful, healed, awesome, I love you, I hope you have a great life. He's saying, don't miss me. Don't miss me in the eternal things, because 
I love you. I want to do that. I, I want to be there for you, but I love you, and I want you to run after me, and woo, 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 this, this miracle thing happened, and I did it because I love, but don't miss the eternal life that I'm about to die because I love you. I'm about to die. This thing is going to land on your back. This church is all about the power I'm giving you, and it's about not temporary stuff. It's about eternal stuff. I think this is what Jesus is saying in, in our words. He's saying, I'm going to die, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, my disciples, my church. That's what this the whole thing is about. So don't get caught in Black Friday mobs or walking dead seasons or Obamacare or, or climbing the corporate ladder or gas prices or Super Bowls or my knees that are getting bummed because I work on them too much or learning more or my education or my diplomas or my parenting styles. Don't get caught in the temporary things and don't celebrate just the temporary things because I've come for an eternal purpose. How many of us get caught in temporary things? We put too much emphasis on today and what's going to happen today. And we lose sight of the meta narrative playing on in Jesus' life and in this world. Listen carefully, church. I'm here. I love you. I'm never going to leave your side. Ever? Don't get caught up in the small things. Even as miraculous as they may look, it's just temporary. I'm here for a greater purpose. This is what he's saying. He's saying, be with me and be who I created you to be. I think Jesus is, is, in my mind, this is how I picture Jesus because I kind of like hugs. I think Jesus is saying, group hug. Like he's grabbing his disciples, he's pulling them in, and he's going, how long do I got to put up with you guys? Like, it's silly. Man, I love you. I've empowered you with so much. Just be who I created you to be. Make your mistakes. Do the awesome things that you do. But just be with me. Walk with me. Be who I've created you to be. Believe that. Will you let love in? Church, will we let love in? This passage is a powerful passage. I had fun with this one. Have you? Next week is going to be even more powerful as we continue on. I love seeing the life of Jesus Christ jump out of these pages. And I I love being a part of life change. All these words, by the way, if if you want to know, like you see these papers right here? Can you see this? This was January starting right back here. These are all my messages this year. It's getting kind of heavy. It's a lot of words. I wouldn't even want to know how many word count is in, in these messages. These are simply words. And some of them are dumb words. <laughs> Unless Jesus is involved. Unless his spirit is prodding you, which is what I hope. I hope that in this place, Jesus is working on you. I want to give us an opportunity. Today is the first, uh, first Sunday of the month. We're going to celebrate communion together. I want to give us an opportunity to, to worship God in, in multiple ways. I want to ask you, if you would, just close down your version app. Shut your Bibles. This is a moment where my prayer, this, I put more prayer into this moment every week than anything. Knowledge 
Sure. We can continue growing and we can learn about who God is. Awesome. Important. But the part that I want to see happen more than anything in all of our lives is God speaking to each and every one of us personally. He'll do that this morning. So I want to ask you if you would, just close your eyes. If you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out open in front of you. Just put your palms up in the air and say, God, I receive what it is you want to show me today. Ask God to work in your heart and your mind today in this place. Ask God to reveal himself to you, to move in your heart and mind right now. I want to ask us a couple of questions. Are you living in the real world? Down where there's pain and there's, there's life happening? Or, or are you just living on the mountaintop and trying to just exclude yourself from any pain? Ask Jesus to take you into the valley right now. Just say, God, take me into that, that place. Let me walk where there's people. Let me be a light in that valley. This next question hits us really personal today, church project. Are you being real with others? Are you being vulnerable and honest with others? We've got wonderful people here that, that love each other. But we can only love you as much as you'll let us love you. Are you letting love in? Are you accepting that love? Are you being honest and vulnerable? Or are you carrying something by yourself that one day will be your demise? If you have a hard time being real with others and being honest with God, even with your kids in this place, just put that in your hands and offer it to God. Say, God, I don't know how, but I ask you to take this from me. I want to be real with you, with my kids, with my brothers and sisters and people around me. This one hit me really hard as I was studying this passage, and it's, are we taking our kids to Jesus? Are we more concerned about that than anything else? We should be. We should be. Nothing should trump us as parents taking our kids to Jesus. Ask God in this place just to reveal how you can do that. How you can be the, the dad or the mom that, you, that he wants you to be. And that you would enjoy it at the same time. It would be an honor. It would be a privilege. Church, is there anything in our life that's just, it's, it's temporal distractions? Is there anything distracting us from the eternal perspective and reality of Jesus Christ? If so, place that in your hand. Say, God, please take these away from me. Unnecessary. Please remove those blinders off of my eyes and let me focus on you and what's most important.
disciples hadn't quite realized how powerful they were in Jesus Christ. Do you? You are. You have a living God in you. Are you charging and living and walking in that? Ask God to just put wind behind you to push you and to get you moving and to lose your identity in who He is. Church, are we lost in His identity? Do we have a charge? Or are we just playing small? come down to two last questions just to think about and to talk to God about. It's these. Do you believe God is who He says He is? Do you believe He's the Savior of the world? If you're in this place and you're wrestling, you don't quite know who God is like to talk to someone about that. Brant and Danny up here on the front right, they would love to tell you more about who Jesus is. We'd love to give you an opportunity in this place just to surrender control of your life to Jesus. Do you believe God is who He says He is? The second question is, do you believe you are who He says you are? Because you're a child of a king. Sometimes we defeat ourselves, don't we? I want to invite us to, to go through a time of communion. This communion is for people who, who call themselves Christians, followers of Christ. We've surrendered control of our life to Jesus. If that's you, Jesus says, do communion. Like, do this in remembrance of me. And as a church body, just the way we're going to do it today is I'm going to ask us if we would, we'll stand in here in a little bit. We'll go over to the right side of the room. We'll, we'll come down and take a piece of bread, dip it in the grape juice in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us, his body that was broken on the cross, his blood that was spilled on our behalf to cover us, to give us the power, to give us forgiveness, to give us love. And we do this to remember who God is and what He's done for us. And then we can continue back to our seats on, on your left-hand side. I'm going to ask us to do this whenever you would like. We have different ways to worship God. You can come up and, and talk to Danny and Brant about who God is. You can stand and worship as we sing together. We can do communion. But this time right here, this is the time that I pray for. The time where God's Spirit is just loving you more than anything and you know because in your mind it's racing and in your heart is moving and it feels awesome so I'm going to pray for us and we'll do communion God thank you for bringing us here today I thank you for opening your word I pray that you teach us only what you want us to hear today I pray that God it's your spirit that convicts your spirit that encourages and I pray for each of us in this place that we get exactly what you want us to get today and we respond fully in that God 
pray for our time as we worship you, that we can focus on who you are. God, we can sing out to you. We can lift our hands and praise you because you are the only one worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.